The Ninevites was the same thing that was going to happen to them. Now, Nineveh, remember, had been warned of their sin and that they needed to change their ways by Jonah, but this was about 100 to 120 years before Nahum's uh, proclamation that he gave. So we're talking, Nahum has got this message that's going out directly to the Ninevites, but it's a warning to the to the individuals in Judah that the same thing is going to happen to them. So, we see what <clears throat> what Nahum is speaking about when it spoke about the, the lion tearing the cubs and strangling the prey and so on. The lion was the logo for the Assyrian kingdom. And so Nahum is using this, the, that the way in which the lion will strangle their prey, in which the lion will tear their prey apart, that this is what is going to be happening to uh, the children of Israel, again, if they do not change their ways. Verse 13 now, in the last uh, verse of chapter 2, uh, I had... Some commentators actually put this into chapter 3. Some commentators leave it as the end of chapter 2. I'm taking it as the beginning of chapter 3. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will burn your chariots in smoke, and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth, and the voice of your messengers shall no longer be heard. So this is what Nahum is speaking to the Ninevites. This is what's going to hap be happening to them, that their chariots are going to be burned, their swords are going to be non-effective, and that their prey is no longer going to be available to them. So we see that he is kind of closing up this part, and then he goes on to the city of Nineveh itself. Now, the city of Nineveh is up in uh, Babylon, and, uh, or up in Assyria, I should say. It's up quite a ways north of where, the, uh, of where Israel is at, but this is where the Assyrian uh, king uh, resided, and we had the video that I showed about the uh, city of Nineveh, that uh, Meyer has helped in um, uncovering this and the digs that they have been doing there. So this is the area, this is what uh, Nahum is talking about. He says, Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder, no end to the prey. So the woe here is a woe to a king called Shalmaneser. Now, what happened to one of my books? Did I leave a book on the table someplace? Uh, hmm. Could you check on the table and the foyer if there is a commentary that I left there? I put some of my things down.
I'm still having a little trouble getting organized. And uh, I'm not sure that's because of me no longer having a wife. Yes? Question for you about your... Okay, good. Why do you suppose... Is there any thoughts about why? Okay. The question is, why is Jonah... Uh, or, or why is God directing all of this... Uh, these warnings to Nineveh. There certainly were other cities that were probably just as wicked. And so why is God directing the information to the city of Nineveh? Any comments or, that you would have, thoughts that you would have? Yes, Grant. Okay, so Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and so that he would be emphasizing that because the Assyrian kings were the ones which were causing the difficulty. We, they had already captured uh, the northern kingdom and dispersed the ten tribes in the northern kingdom, and so now they are looking at the southern kingdom. And one of the things that I was going to read from a book that I, I was sure I brought it along was the fact that the kings of Israel, uh, the southern kings now, they kept uh, making treaties. First, with they made a treaty with the northern kingdom, with Assyria, and then they made a treaty with Egypt, Egypt, which would be way south. They made a treaty there, and so they were making treaties back and forth and paying huge taxes to these individuals. Uh, now, Israel had not paid taxes for several years to the Assyrian king at this time, and so that's probably one of the reasons why they were afraid the Internal Revenue was going to come collecting uh, in the manner of the, the king from Assyria. Um, so anybody else have any thoughts on why God would have emphasized Nineveh? Yes, Mike. Okay. All right. So Nineveh itself, this great city, was considered to be unconquerable, but God is through the um, through the prophets is saying, yes, it's going to be destroyed. And how completely was it destroyed? I intimated this a few times before. Yes, Eric. Yes, it was completely destroyed, and uh, we see that it was not, it was, uh, it had been a city for 5,000 years. And then uh, at this time that it was destroyed, it was not discovered, well, it was destroyed in 612 BC, and it was not discovered again until 1864. So if you're 
high school math still is, holds true, you can add 1864 to 612, and for those years they didn't know where Nineveh was at. And so uh, it was considered to be, but it had been there for 5,000 years, and now all of a sudden it's gone. So whether God is using this, that his word is going to be true, um, I think that that might, might be the case. Anyone else have something? Yes, Eric. Okay. Uh, yes, I think uh, my uh, historical dates aren't always totally accurate. They're approximate. Well, I was asking this because, you know, it depends partly on, you know, whether... So as I've said many times about the only dates that I remember from college are the ones that I had with Ruth. <laughs> so we see that the, it talks about the bloody city, Nineveh being a bloody city, all full of lies and plunder. And so we see here that it was a city that was built on blood, they were very cruel in the way that they took over things. And it reminds me, I have just reread Bill O'Reilly's book on the taking of Japan in World War II and the way in which the Japanese treated the American soldiers or the Chinese, whoever they were capturing, was absolutely inhumane. And that's very similar to what the Assyrians were doing as they would come on in. Now also it says that they were full of lies and plunder. Lies, they were promising a lot of things. They were promising wealth, health, and security. When they would come on in, this would be something great. And of course, once they came on in, it was totally different. They were just... Uh, very cruel, and so um, Nahum is talking about this, that this, these uh, people in, in Nineveh and the rulers there are, going to, are not going to survive. It says, no end to the prey. In other words, they were just going to continue on going after them, and their, their riches, uh, Nineveh was an exceedingly rich city. Uh, some people feel that the is the, uh, the gardens of Babylon, that that was actually built in Nineveh, that those were the gardens that were built in Nineveh, and that these were parts of the seven wonders of the world at that particular time. And this had been built on the uh, city that, uh, on the cities that they had captured. Okay, we continue on verses two and three. The crack of the whip and the rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot, horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, hosts of slain, heaps of corpse, dead bodies without end, they stumble over the bodies. This particular area of, of Nineveh, of uh, Nahum, is written in Hebrew. These are words that all sound alike. 
or that are really commanding. And a, uh, an example of this that we would find, I know I've got this piece, that we would find is, this is the type of writing that uh, Nahum is involved with. Uh, you've read stories of Edgar Allan Poe. You've read The Raven and some of these. Okay, I'm just going to read a little bit from Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven and see the cadence that we have there and the, the pounding that we have. This is similar to the way that Nahum is writing this particular section. It's a literary, uh, a, a literary effect that they want to have to get their attention. This is the way Poe writes about the raven. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary. Ah, distinctly I remember, it was the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I sought to borrow from my books a crease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named Lenore, nameless here forevermore. So we have a style of writing there. This is exactly the same style of writing that Nahum has used, and I don't know if uh, Edgar Allan Poe went back to this or whether this is just something that poets are able to come up with. But anyway, we see the, the, the says the, it describes this. Now there is hosts of slain in uh, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. Okay, the hosts of slain, the, the, there are different Hebrew words that are used here. The slain are the people that have been speared. So you have these people in the streets that have been speared, and as they're coming on in, they see these. The heaps of corpses, these are individuals that have just collapsed. They've died on the street for some reason or other. And bodies without end. This is the aspect that these are individuals that are laying on the street. They don't know how they got there or what, what caused their death other than that it was war. And actually there are so many that the soldiers are stumbling over them as they're coming on in. Now remember, this is what... <clears throat> Nahum is saying the city of Nineveh is going to uh, look like. And again, as I've been reading the story of, of uh, Japan and the end of World War II, the description of when the atom bomb was used on Hiroshima, is it Hiroshima or Hiroshima? Uh, anyway, uh, well, uh, this, the bombs that were there and his description of what it was like, that's what this must have been like, what Nahum is uh, forecasting. And then we go on to verse 4. And all the countless whorings of the prostitute, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and peoples with her charms. So we now see that uh, the... Um, he is or Nahum is talking about the the prostitutes and how the picture that he is drawing here. 
Now the Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, we have the uh, description of what the prostitute uh, is going to uh, be like. So we have, or what the prophet, it says, chapter 5, there we go. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. And so we see that Nahum is saying that giving in to the Assyrians or living the way you do that you have the Assyrians come on in is going to be the same thing as the, the lies that a prostitute will give as they are trying to and entice uh, men on into their area. Now, we see this again that Ahaz was a king before Hezekiah. And remember, Hezekiah is the, the, the king that I kind of work everything off of because I was in his tunnel. And so that gives me something specific to work through. But Ahaz was a king before Hezekiah and he had made the alliance with Assyria because he was afraid of Egypt. And then they made an alliance with Egypt because they were afraid of Assyria. And that wasn't a good plan. It's kind of like, you know, a schoolyard making an alliance with the bully in the schoolyard and then making an alliance with his best enemy or his worst enemy, you know, and you get caught in between. Well, that's what we're seeing here. We see this has been illustrated for us in 2 Kings, and it's, it's interesting, and it's very educational to be able to take these prophets and to go back into the Kings and the Chronicles and see how they are, um, how, how things have taken place here. 2 Kings chapter 17, starting verse 3. Against him, this is against Ahaz, who was the king before Hezekiah now. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria. So we had Shalmaneser, who was the king before Sennacherib. And Hosea became his vassal and paid him tribute. Hosea was uh, down in Israel, and so he is paying tribute now. He's paying rent. Um, hush money, but the king of Assyria found treachery in Hosea because Hosea had now made the contract with Egypt also, and he found this out. For he had sent messengers to sue king of Egypt and offered no tribute to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded all the land came to Samaria, and for three years he besieged it. So we're seeing that, uh, we're seeing the prophecy occurring, which Nahum was forecasting here. So in verse 4, we see the, the lies that had been told, and these lies were now... Uh, coming to fruition at this time. 
Then we see in verse 5, Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and will lift up your skirts over your face, and I will make nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. So Nineveh, this city that was supposed to be this, uh, that could not be overtaken, that could not be uh, destroyed, it's going to be shamed in the same way that, she, that Nineveh had been shaming the individuals that she was uh, overtaking. So we see that the, uh, we see here that they are going to be, uh, that the weakness of Nineveh is going to be portrayed and that uh, they were going to be the idea of lifting up their skirts making nations ashamed is just to make them feel totally uh, embarrassed by their actions. And this is what had happened to Nineveh. We talked about this, that they were going to, that Nineveh was not going to be discovered for all of these years. Then we see that even though Nineveh was considered to be a very strong city, there were some weaknesses that we have uh, there. So, uh, verse 6, I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. Now, they were not expecting to be a spectacle. And all who look at you will shrink from you and say, Wasted is Nineveh. Who will grieve for her? Where shall I seek comforters for you? Okay, so the people are going to eventually look at Nineveh and see, uh, it says, this city is wasted. 5,000 years that it had been a stalwart in that area. And now it was, it was just totally gone. It was going to be wasted. And so uh, they are going to be, and it says also, who will grieve for her? Well, there's not going to be anybody that's going to be uh, lamenting over uh, Nineveh. And they, uh, you know, they, this just was inconceivable that that should take place at this time. Then the verse 8, Are you better than Thebes that sat by the Nile? with water around her, her rampart a sea, and water her wall. Cush was her strength, Egypt too, and that without limit. Put, put and the Libyans were her helpers. Okay, we see a situation here that they are being compared. Thebes was a city on the Nile in Egypt. Now remember, so we've got Assyria and Egypt. And Israel is right in between. And Israel was trying to play one against the other. And both of these cities were considered to be very strong cities. Thebes had been a city for 1,400 years. And uh, so, again, you know, we think, see, how long, how old is the United States? Your high school math again, Randy? 
Okay, so here we're talking about a city that had been there for 1,400 years. In the United States, we think this is an old country, but it's only been around for a little over 200 years. So Nineveh had been there for 5,000 years. Thebes was there for um, 1,400 years. And so it had fallen. And it says, are you better than Thebes that sat by the Nile with water around her? Now, what was, when you had the old castles, what was one of the things that they used to protect the castle from invasion and from enemies coming on in? Okay, we had... Okay, we had a moat, and what was the what was a moat like? Okay, it was filled with water, and so you had this moat, and they would be anyone from about twenty to sixty feet deep. Actually, anything over five and a half feet is enough for me to drown. But anyway. They were deep enough, so it would be difficult to get across. And then they, many times, this was also their sewage system. This is where all the sewage went on in. And many times they also had animals in there, such as, you know, spare crocodiles and alligators and things like this. And so it was something that you didn't really want to go across. So this is what it's talking about, that... Thebes had this water around them. Now, Nineveh also, what was the situation with the water around Nineveh? Was water at all a part of the protection for Nineveh? You had the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, which were on either side of Nineveh. And then you had a river that went across between there. And so there was plenty of water. And so they expected that even the water would help Nineveh from being overtaken. And so we see the same thing here that is talking about Thebes had this water around them, this moat, and they were overtaken. Cush was her strength. Okay, Kush is now modern-day Ethiopia. And if you can just think, I didn't put this up on my map, but anyway, if you have uh, Egypt, and then you go on down a little ways down the Suez Canal, down the Red Sea, there you have Ethiopia, present-day Ethiopia. And that was Kush. And so it was also a very important city, or excuse me, important country. Then it says Put. Now Put is most likely Somalia today, or Somalia and Libya. And they're all in that area on the eastern side of Africa. And at that time, they were very strong. So they were uh, captured and uh, that Nahum is saying, Nineveh, the same thing is going to happen to you. Okay, I think uh, since we had the business meeting, I wasn't just exactly sure how far I would get. 
and I will take next Sunday yet to uh, finish this off to finish Nahum. Eric, question. Oh, okay, all right, okay, good, good point, very good point there. I should have picked up on that, and I'm sorry that I didn't, and thank you. I don't want to be overly critical, I think it's helpful for everybody who's reading this. No, I, I agree with you totally, and this is one of the things that uh, the liberal theologians say that the Battle of Jericho never happened because Jericho wasn't even around at the time that the Jews came on in. And so this messes up their dates from there on also. And so, yes, Jericho, the Battle of Jericho did occur, and the Israelites came on in and so on. And uh, so, yeah, the, um, at, at least Nineveh had been a strong city since the flood and uh, was, you know, they, they weren't, they never thought that they would be overtaken. Any other comments? Okay, we will finish up Nahum next Sunday, and uh, we'll uh, continue on from there. Thank you.